One, two, test. One, two. One, two, test. One, two. One, two, two, test. One, two, 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 two. One, two, test. One, two. And now you're listening to Finley Hall Podcast. Thank God it's Friday. <laughs> Thank you, God. Bet when God came up with Fridays, he was pretty pretty pleased with himself. Um, I mean, he just invented Thursday, which is pretty good. And then he fu- then he then he's like, wait, there's more Friday. Fair fucks to the guy. Um. So I've come up with an idea. The idea is, can I do like a drawing? A, a podcast that's a drawing. Is that a thing I can do? I think so. And what I'm going to do to uh, sort of research is speak to my friend Callum, who did a drawing master's Masters of Fine Art at Dundee just last year. Uh, I think he might have some helpful hints. Uh, he he knows all about drawing. More than I do. He might have some, some nice ideas and things. Um, and this is the thing that if uh, you're not really an artist and you're listening to this, that artists do, they have ideas and speak to each other and see what works and I really like it and I like you can tell what works and what doesn't work and other people get excited by and people have different perspectives that you might not have thought of and that's sort of like the collaborative nature of being an artist is like that I like that Uh, another thing is oh yeah I was sort of thinking if I was doing a drawing on a podcast then I'd be able to I could dis- I would describe things, and then I thought maybe that could then be accessible to people that are visually impaired or blind, which is also something I've been thinking about, been thinking about recently. And then I was reading about or looking at videos of blind people being interviewed about, you know, like if what their perception of colour is and things like that. Because if I say, describe a drawing where I'm saying, all right, there's a blue circle, you know, then what they would be imagining is not the colour blue, but all the things that are associated with blue, like the sky or the sea or feeling sad. There's a really good guy on YouTube called Tommy Edison, the Tommy Edison experience, who I remember about 10 years ago or so. I watched his videos. He's an interesting guy. He's blind and he describes what it's like to be blind. Anyway, I'm going to try and get in touch with Callum, but that might be for next week. But that's me just got to uni just now. Speak later.
Hello. Hello. Wow. God, it sounds so much nicer. Is that what's your uh, what's your crack anyway? My crack. Um. Uh, what is my crack? What have I been doing? Uh, I was writing applications to residencies, and I was sending off proposals to different galleries, which feels kind of scary because you're just like, oh, I've just dreamed up this thing, and I've sent it to you. Is it? Do you do you want it? But none of it exists yet. <laughs> what what are, what was your ideas? My well, my my proposal, and. Um, I was maybe telling you about it, but is this all the podcast? Are we in the podcast now? Uh, I'm recording, but it might sound shit. Oh, you're recording, so Ah, and then you cut bits together. So yeah. I understand. Um, my idea, my... Well, what, what I want to do more than anything is go... Because somebody alerted me to these fault lines in Scotland. I'm like, well, I want to I go and see all of them as much as possible. But... You know, it's not the kind of thing you can really find time to do in regular life. It's just like drive around Scotland looking at stones. Yeah. So I'm proposing to galleries at either end of each fault line that I'm going to make a body of work over the next sort of 14 to 15 months that sort of puzzles these things and imagines, you know, because I think maybe human humanity's imagination is a little bit short um short-sighted that like even the idea of say the nation of scotland i mean it's not very old it's maybe like even under that name it's probably like between like six and eight hundred years old it's not been around for that long but even just the idea of it that like the world is moving around this nation is just like it's like a shape drawn onto water basically and that actually if if humanity was to stick around for another sort of even like 60,000 years, the world would be a slightly different shape. And then what would happen? Would like the shape of your country still be the same? But I don't know. Um, So, I mean, this is at my very early stage of just pondering things inside my head. But but hopefully. (laughs) But wait, so. Funding and I didn't see. So that's, (laughs) I don't, but I, (laughs) What so? What's the proposal then? Oh right. <laughs> hey, the proposal. So the proposal is for, uh, and so that each, uh, each of these. So I've written to four galleries at either end of each fault line, and what I'm going to do is basically, um, I'm going to make, um, artworks and drawings and writings and a film which I've started doing, which I think will be very nice once I get the hang of it. Um, And I plan to show them one by one at each of these galleries. And then over the course of the the exhibition being on, I'm going to get local geologists, uh, artists or storytellers to sort of meet, meet the public to have events at sort of key points where you're sort of aware that you're standing on the sort of on the lip of an old continent or an old sort of a place a place where you can see two lands that didn't used to be connected basically and that's and what to the, have like a venture and that, to make artwork there and is, that's kind of what the proposal is i don't think i know about these fault lines but is that like uh, the 
edge of two plates. Is that right? Tectonic plates. Yeah, they're the edge of two tectonic plates. So I could loosely describe to you what, how, how you could see them and where they came from. And this is still, I'm at, I'm at early stages of research, but my understanding at this point. Um, so like, if you were to put your, you've got a laptop in front of you, don't you? Uh, yes. Yes, so I do. So if you were to go onto, onto Google Maps and to see Scotland and then pick the satellite function, uh, the satellite view. Yes, hang on. I'm in Norway just now. Right. Uh, layers. 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 Oh, layers. That from Shrek. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm on. <laughs> okay. All right. So if, if you can see Scotland right now amongst the layers, so there are two plates. Now, I, I'm not certain of any of this. A geologist would probably shit on my neck if they heard any of this. But um, so like the I think the two plates that the two places that met first, these two met when these two met when both of them were in this were in the southern hemisphere. So these were they were close to they were south of the equator when they met. And basically the two the two pieces that met <laughs> run in a line from Stonehaven to the Isle of Arran. The way you're describing this now, you makes might, it sound like a riddle or something. <laughs> the, well, it's, uh, I think having, having the map of Scotland in front of you helps. Okay. So if you actually look at Scotland, you can see a line that runs from the Isle of Arran to Stonehaven. You can see that there's mountains on the Stone north side. And Haven. Oh, that, that's like, yeah, there's a sort of, um, yeah, where the mountain, the Cairngorms are. Yeah, yeah, so there's mountains on one side and beyond it is completely flat and that's basically a straight line that runs through Scotland. Oh, yeah, to Greenock, to Arran. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. So those two would have met when Britain was in the southern hemisphere or or Scotland. The, the whole landmass would have been the southern hemisphere and it would have been part of a far greater, um, of, of basically of a landmass which incorporates like most of the landmass of the world i suppose and um, was that pangea? oh no actually, i don't know that specifically no it wasn't pangea it was oh jeepers uh pangeepers no it didn't pangeepers let's call it pangeepers i can't remember the name of it um it was it was and, wait, what it was a landmass it was a landmass that was had a bit of Hang on, you just go. I'll I'll try to keep up. Okay, so it was so it I so they met and it was part see and they, they said that's why I need to talk to more geologists that can sort of conceptualize this because I've been reading geology books and they all have they've got like words you've never heard before. I'm like, okay, right. I don't quite understand, but I'm getting there. So they these two parts of land met when the land that they were part of was just in a different position on the globe. And then after they'd met, this whole land floated through, this whole land traveled further south and then traveled north. And as it traveled north, broke apart, I think. Right. So 
So that's those two bits that have met. But then you'll see there's another line that crosses Scotland. Um, Loch Ness. And it basically... Loch Ness, exactly. Runs from, like, <laughs> uh, Fort William to Inverness and kind of beyond in both directions. Yeah. Um, and so I've, I've seen, pitched, uh, like, projections of what it used to look like. So the north north of that line has been slowly sliding... So those two, they are like rotating against each other, essentially. And as far as I'm aware, I've, I've read in different places that it's still active and that it's not active anymore. But those two either were or still are rotating against each other. And I think the northern part is sliding, like up, is sliding north. Um, and so, yeah, so those are the two, those are the two fault lines. And so, yeah, so Scotland is essentially these three it's in, pieces. It's in three bits. Which, so yeah, the, the and they've all had bit. very different upbringings. But then is the bottom bit, like, uh, that's all of England and all that as well? Or are you just talking about, is that just Scotland, really? Just Scotland. I, I actually don't know about fault lines. I mean, because the thing is, I imagine there's loads of fault lines that have come and gone and come and gone. Like, the Earth is you know, so many billion years old and these fault lines are a lot younger than that. And I imagine I would expect that there are fault lines that have split and healed and split and healed. There might be even older ones elsewhere. Aye, these, these are just I know barns, that they're made of different... Huh? They're just bairns. It, they're just bairns. Yeah. I think they are. And I think Scotland is particularly unusual because... It's a small country, but like all the different parts of it have very different upbringings. So, like, different vegetation grows in different parts of Scotland because of the stone that's contained under, underneath. Like, some of the stone's more acidic, and some of the stone allows for different things to happen. So, hmm. basically, I really want to learn about that, and I want to figure out a way of learning it whereby I can articulate it to other people. Because I think, like, understanding the, the ground we're standing on, that it's not static. It somehow makes all the other situations of like our horrible nation and the nasty shit does and the horrible economic situation we're in and all this, it somehow makes it feel a bit more flexible. Like if the ground itself changes over time, then so does everything else. It's not like rock is just a permanent thing. You think it gives you a sort of bigger picture like of yeah, I think. of uh, makes you think of uh, a longer time scale. Yeah, it does. Deep and actually, time. There's one thing. Is it there, like deep time? Is that a thing? That was a thing that's like. Yeah, yeah, deep, deep time. I don't really Indeed. know what that means, though. It's like um, long time. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I think there's there's I think deep. There are a couple of ways of being able to look at deep time. One of them would be like looking at the wall of a quarry or a split stone and being able to see like specific events mapped out over its layers that you can see. Or say looking through like an ice core. They talk about blue being the color of deep time. You look into like an ice core and you're like, holy shit, you can see like, you can see the whole history of the earth. And like, this what is that? An ice, ice core? What is that? So, or like a, it'd be like a core sample, you know, where they'll like dig out, um, they'll like, they'll essentially just like take a, 
they might take a tube of ice that's like a kilometer long or several kilometers long out of like the Greenland ice cap and then they'll be able to look at its like composition and they'll I mean I guess it gets hard under pressure because the layers get all fucked well like um, a kilometer deep the, yeah yeah so they'll I mean they'll go even deeper than that I think some of the they've taken cores from like just spectacular depths of ice Oh, they shouldn't be. That's um, like <laughs> something about when things like that it just kind of upsets me, like uh, in my stomach. This well, the sort of like, scale of things like that, like yeah, yeah, drilling yeah, for a kilometer, and and then the thing you bring up is like thousands and thousands of, or maybe like how 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 old? I mean, Millions? No, I mean. God knows millions of years. I mean, in there's that book Underlands, um, which is like so amazing that he talks about like what happened to ice as so like snow will fall on ice and then more snow will fall on that, and so between all the snow there will be up, uh, air bubbles, and then as that gets as more stuff gets piled on, the air bubbles get like squeezed and squeezed and squeezed more and more, and then eventually at a point when they're so deep under ice the air bubbles disappear and they become part of the actual like composition of the ice. Oh, sorry. My laptop charger. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. Yeah. So Is it USB-C? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Uh, That's really generous of you, Finley. Hi, sorry, I'm back. That person had a nice voice. Uh, they did have a nice voice, yeah. They were... Uh, <laughs> she was needed a, a laptop charger. A USB-C, as I understand. Yeah, it was. Sorry. That was really nice of you to lend it to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm recording. I can't, can't say no. I'll come across like an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> you'd be on on record as being a wanker that's that's the whole uh that's the whole thing of why i'm making a podcast just so i can be a better person <laughs> or to, to be a better person or to be perceived as a better person <laughs> yeah yeah be perceived like, uh, as a better person uh just to yeah, give myself an like... opportunity to show off <laughs> anyway you were sorry you were talking about snow air bubbles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so like so they were talking about like what happens to so these air bubbles as more and more ice gets piled on, they get smaller and smaller, and then eventually the pressure's so great the air bubble will just disappear and become part of the chemical composition of the ice itself. Um and that having something to do with the blue colour of ice. But then and you'll get basically you'll have Whoa. these like lines that will show how much ice, how much snow fell in each particular year. But the deeper you get into ice, they become harder and harder to read because of the huge pressure, just like turning it into one block. 
Um, so it's like, uh, but they were talking about you know one tenth of a millimeter thick or something. The layer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, ex- exactly. And like smaller. I mean, probably. I mean, probably infinitesimally, infinitesimally small. Because I guess you'll get to a point where there's maybe like a thousand years of snowfall that's compressed into like. I don't know, like a meter of ice or something, and it'll be very dense ice. Or I, I don't know. I mean, I'm just spaffing words out here, but like that's the idea. Um, but they were talking about they did a they took an ice core that was like kilometers deep from Greenland, um, which is kind of mad because like Scotland used to be that that we would have like kilometers of ice over like all the places where we would be, um, which is like impossible to imagine um but they they took this ice core out and then they spent ages figuring out some kind of gizmo that could because they they drilled down until they hit something that wasn't ice because they're like right well what is underneath all this ice and they uh and they met they were spent ages trying to figure out a tool that could like scratch a little bit of whatever was at the bottom well, and so then it's take like it all a, the way a, sc- a scratchy thing like on the end of a massive long pole yeah yeah exactly because <laughs> yeah i mean that's the thing right because it's like how big's the hole like across i mean it's not deep i mean it's not wide i imagine the holes maybe like uh I have honestly, I have no idea. I imagine it as being like three or four inches wide, like this, like a hand, like the sort of the width of your hand or something. Yeah, yeah, like about the, that. The palm of I your mean, hand. I'm not, I, something. I don't know. Yeah, something like that. Well, and yeah, you've got like a. That's what I was imagining <laughs> it as well. And then you've got a pole going all the way down, and then you have to get a bit of the thing that's there, but you don't know what it is. Yeah, you have to like scratch it, and then I don't know. You put like a Henry Hoover at the top to like. Yeah, then how did you up. get it back? Up? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No Just idea. like put a bit of sticky tape or like chewing gum on the end, and then. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I guess that would probably. I don't know how the cold would operate with that, but it's also so like what they came up with uh, on the end of this. It was like compressed sand, like sandstone. And the conclusion they came to is like, oh, okay, so the the thing here that's under kilometers of ice, the land here, was at one point like probably equivalent to a Saharan desert. <laughs> You're like, oh my god! All right, Wait. so it's conceivable that what is currently the Sahara could one day be covered by kilometers of ice again um, uh. at another point, which is kind of horrifying because I would hope. It's almost, I'd hope there'd be like granite or something like, oh yeah, that's cold. That makes sense. The fact that it was sand, you're like, whoa, that, that sand would have seen the sun years ago. And now it can't see the sun anymore. But how is it sand? Would it not be like, because it's under all the pressure? Is it like basically? It would be like sandstone, I guess. Or because like when you put, my understanding is that when something's under a lot of pressure, then it's basically like, it's basically like, uh, no, maybe that's not true. I was going to say, like, it's basically like heating it up. Like, well. Like, you can melt well, it. So well. would it then be like glass, is what I was thinking. 
Would it be like glass if it was sand? I don't know if it would be that hot because I imagine there's a constant give and take between the heat of the pressure and the cold of the ice. It would probably stop anything from turning into glass. But I think there is a thing of, it certainly happens at the bottom of glaciers where there's basically like liquid at the bottom and it's, and that's just as a result of this enormous pressure that you will have water moving. And I, I, as far as I'm aware, that's what I remember from reading this book that you'll have like, there's this constant like give and take of like freezing and unfreezing. Cause also like the earth has heat underneath it as well. Yeah. Um, which will like rise up, you know, it's not like the only heat we get is from the sun. God, do you know? Like we a... were talking about when... Sorry. No, 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 no. Carry on. I was going to say, do you know like an actual geologist that could answer some of the questions? <laughs> um, yeah. So, so I know. I mean, I, 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 I wouldn't say I know them, but I've met two geologists who I think I could get in touch with. So one is John. Is called John Faithful, who's the brother of. David Faithful, the the illustration tutor at DJ CAD. Oh yeah. Um, and the other one is called Jane. I think she's called Jane. I met her when I did a drawing workshop at Garen Point. Oh yeah. That and one. in both cases, there is so. Have you ever been for a walk with a geologist? No, I can't say I have. No. Oh, it's so. It's so much fun. Like going for a walk along the beach with a geologist. Cause you're like, in both cases, that's how I met them. And he's like, you're like, right, what's this? And they're like, oh, well, it's very interesting, actually. You see this like tiny yellow speck? That says that it's from here. And you're like, what the hell? They're like, detected. So they're just like, I mean, it's so interesting. They're just like, you can ask anything about the ground under your feet. And you're like, Where? Whoa. Where actually is Garen Point? I hadn't, can't say I've, I had heard of that before you did that workshop oh, there. Oh, it's a shame. It's a shame, actually. Well, the next time you come back to Scotland, we'll head up, because it is... It, I mean, it's a cool place without knowing what it is, but knowing what it is, it's like, holy moly, this is very exciting. Is that the, like, is it a fault line? Is that what a fault line is? Or Yeah, so it's, it's essentially like Garen Point is, I guess... Is one of a few places along the fault line where it's most visible that that so you'd like there's like this little beach and uh, you'd walk across the beach and it's very clear that on one end of the beach you are on one landmass and on the other end of the beach you're on a different one. The geology is completely like visibly completely different. The way the wow. stones behave, all of this, and there's like. And you'll see, and so the point is this like rut of rock, which is like pushed up diagonally and is like sitting diagonally, you know, like, so, so like, you know, a lot of rock comes in layers. You'll see it's got like layers in it. Layers. Like sedimentary rock. Layers? Yeah. Layers. And there's, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh, no, I can't remember any of the. Other wo- the words. I think my uh, my geography teacher thought I had uh, like learning difficulties, which actually I did, but <laughs> I didn't yeah. realize. I mean, 
<laughs> but she was just uh, she she was kind of like I didn't understand something in ge- in geography, and she'd be like, "That's okay, Finley. Um, d- don't worry, don't worry about it." And then she just like <laughs> let me off, and I was like, "No, I want to." Yeah, she was like, "I was like, I don't understand." She's like, "Oh, okay, that's fine." You know, like uh, as if it was like a shame, like I would never understand. Well, maybe your teacher had teaching difficulties. I mean, I do think, you know, it's, it feels sometimes like it's very much heaped upon somebody. Like, if your job is to explain something so that people can understand that, and if you can't, then maybe it's your problem. Um. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, anyway, I was just trying to remember the different layers of rock, but I couldn't remember them. <laughs> well, yeah, so so sedimentary rock as you can imagine, is formed by sediment. So like stuff that would like flow down and would sort of pool in places and it would build up in completely level layers, obviously, because it's liquid. It's like, you know, sediments being carried by liquid. So they would just sort of build up in flat layers. It's um, like grit in so You that. get that with like, exactly. And then... Um, Silt. Yeah, so... A, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like silt. I mean, like or like limestone is all like just like lime that's been washed down and sort of builds up layer by layer. So what you have mm. at Garen Point are sedimentary rocks, except they're all pushed up straight up in the air, so the so that all of the 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 lines, all of the layers, run vertically. Which I didn't think much of upon seeing, but then the geologist was like, if those layers are sticking up straight it means that they have been pushed up by something else, by another body, which is they would have formed flat and they have been like pushed up into the air um, and folded so that they stick straight up out of the out of the ground. And I was like, oh, Whoa. so anywhere that there would be vertical layers is like that would have formed flat. It's been disrupted. And you can see it so clearly at Garen Point. It's just like all these diagonal forms that just look like, I guess if you, I guess if you got like two pieces of hardboard and just like put, put, uh, put like a tightened a clamp on, on them sort of uh, horizontally until one of them gave way. And what you'd get is that one would start to fold and it would start to sort of bulge until eventually it split. And then you'd have a sharp bit sticking up, you know? Yeah. Um, like Maybe. Uh, I'm trying to think of a, an example as well. I, can, I feel like I can picture it in my mind, <laughs> which is why I want to get like a good example. But it's almost like... Um, it's actually something maybe I'd quite like to figure out examples. I'm, I'm thinking maybe like... Pink Panther biscuits could be quite a useful thing to try examples with. Uh-huh. <laughs> or, uh, yeah, I don't know. Confectionery, I think, is, I don't know. I guess it would be good. Uh, what what food is sedimentary? Wafers are sedimentary, I suppose. <laughs> I mean, they're not sedimentary, but they're kind of... They've got layers. layers. Yeah. It's just like ramming two yeah. sandwiches into each other. It's no, because just... I think you'd... Well, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, I'd almost want rigid things, though, to sort of 
Two um, rigid sandwiches. <laughs> just ramming oh, rigid them. Sandwich. Just ramming them right into each other. Um, do you mind if I smoke a cigarette? <laughs> what do you mean? Do you mind if I smoke a cigarette over the phone? Oh no. I thought you meant like you're asking like as if we're in the same room. Like <laughs> No, I don't mind. But is it just for, what for the sound, for the sound of you. Uh... Just, yeah, I don't know for for the sound, or I don't know if it's just unprofessional. Um, you well, do. I used to think of that of like things, smells carrying over the phone lines, but we don't even have cables anymore, so it's impossible <laughs> if it ever was. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck does that even mean? Well, I used to imagine when 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 they used to have the phone with the twirly cable. If you, I don't know, if you're on one end of it and you like farted or something, mm. then it would maybe like travel down. Or if like I was on the phone to my mum and I was smoking a cigarette, that she'd be able to smell it. Yeah, maybe there could be. Uh... Did they ever do like smell a vision? They must have done. I think they did in some like I think they were doing it in like cinemas where you'd have like a uh, yeah, like you'd sit in a chair like that would like 4D. vibrate and that and then it would yeah but there's only certain movies that it would really work for I think um, like uh, Shrek Shrek I went actually and saw a Shrek 4D thing uh, uh, in when we went on holiday to America, the US. <laughs> US. Oh, nice. Actually, yeah, nice, nice uh, correction there. My friend um, uh, told me, who's from South America, says, "Stop saying America when you mean yeah. the US," which is totally fair enough. Uh, I uh, mean, to an extent, even saying the United States of America is like, "All oh, right, you're trying to say all the other states aren't united." <laughs> <laughs> nah, I don't think that's the same because that's just what the no, country's I called. You're right. I don't think there's any mileage there. Hey, and I'll tell you what: some state, some state they're in as well. Am exactly. I, am I right? I was thinking about the names of the of the UK and the US. Is like they're kind of. I mean, the United States is a bit better because they've got America, but it doesn't. But it only. You know, like the United Kingdom, it's not really a name. It's rubbish. Like, it's not like, I don't know, Tanzania or something. It's just two words that you might use in a sentence. But is it not like, like the United you, Kingdom of Great Britain and Ireland and Northern Ireland? It's it's a rubbish name. It's not. It's not really got the the uh, the ring to it, does it? Well, it's just begging to be ununited. You know, if it really was united, you would have been like, okay, let's call this land Gregory. Uh, and then you'd be like, okay, that's the name now. uh, Yeah. Albion's such a nice word. It would be so cool if it was still called Albion. Uh, Right. The thing, uh, maybe uh, move on to the thing that I was going to ask you about. Yeah, sure. Um... Well, basically, have you been listening to the podcast that I've been making? 
Um, no, I haven't. I'm sorry. I have <laughs> not been listening to podcasts you've been making. That's quite all right. Uh, well, basically, I've been making, doing like a podcast a day. Did you know that? Holy smokes. Every, Jesus Christ. No, I didn't know that. <laughs> Jesus you making creepers. podcasts. I didn't know it was this intensive. Well, I just decided I wanted to make a podcast and then I sort of decided I didn't I didn't I didn't know what it was going to be like what the idea was and all that. And uh so then I just decided to just like make one every day and sort of through that I would find out what what I, what it would be, you know. It's like doing a drawing or something, right? You you don't like sit there and wait for an idea for a drawing. You just kind of like start drawing and then you get an idea maybe. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that's, that's my favorite way of figuring things out, of just like doing something and then it sort of becomes clear the more you do it. Like, oh, okay, this is, okay, this is why. Exactly. And I had like a thing where even the first, after the first one, I was like, oh, you know, that that was kind of, maybe not quite it, but just by the fact of having something to look at that you knew wasn't quite it was like so much more helpful. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I've, so I've done, this is the fifth episode that I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. Technically of the, of the daily ones. So, uh, yeah, basically I had an idea today about next week I'm going to kind of have <laughs> where hang on I need to kind of like find out where I need to work out where I'm going to start the description of this because so that this this okay. week this week I've just been doing like a recording in the morning and then like a bit during the middle of the day and then when I'm walking home about okay almost like a diary or like just talking about things that I've been thinking about or uh yeah, like what I've been doing and things. But then I had an idea, like maybe next week I could try like another five versions of a different idea, you know? So like, what about if I just describe a tree every day or something like that? Okay. But then I came up with an idea, what about if I do like a, because I sort of thought like, what can you do with a podcast that you can't do in another medium? You know, like mm. why, uh, and and that was kind of give me an idea of like how to sort of stretch the medium a little bit. So basically, I had an idea of doing. Could you do a drawing on a podcast? So like, how would that work? So do you, so you're sort of talking like an 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 auditory drawing? Yeah, sort of. I would. I imagine it would just be like. Just, so I've got a document here. I just wrote a note. So this is what I wrote. I'll read it out to you. See what you think. Or maybe you could tell me what you would think. How you think that would work first? Okay. What how I what how I think a podcast drawing would work? Yeah. Um. Okay. Well. Wow. That's that's a maybe that's a hard question. Right, well, I guess. <laughs> No, well, it's like it, I guess, much like the the podcast idea, I think I'll I'll figure out what I, how I think it would work in the 
in the in the describing of how I think it would work. Um, well, I guess the way so the way I draw would be in sort of layers. So you'd sort of have um, so like I'd make sure that if I was working in different media on a drawing that I could work on top of the next. I would start with one layer and make sure that the next thing I was going, the next layer I was going to do would be, I would be able to put on top of the previous layer. So maybe you'd have, I guess, like one one layer which might be conversation, which might be words and conversation, and then another layer which might be sort of sounds of the world, um, which would be directly overlaid and there would maybe be points where they would and and you'd sort of do them you kind of do them you might do them separate from each other so each layer was almost done blind from the next but then they would all be overlaid so it would make something that would be conversation and sound and maybe uh, and maybe music and all these things and it would kind of make it would it, i guess it would make like a it would make a thing all of its own of like what, when all these things came together on the one piece of sound that they would all sort of create their own sort of singularity, I suppose. Like a sort so of say, collage. Say, like, so, a, huh? like a sort of collage. Yeah, like a collage. Yeah, so say we talked for an hour and then you recorded an hour of, I don't know, like uh, of you going for a walk and that was overlaid and then there'd be points where they would align and disalign and there would be um, uh, like sounds that would clash and all this stuff and then you might have another layer that's just the sound of uh, I don't know someone like rollerblading or something that that's that's <laughs> that that's my imagination of how you'd approach it and you wouldn't know how it all looked until you combined it all and sorted out the levels and they'd be like okay what does this uh, auditory drawing look like and it would just be this sort of like clashing and mixing of sounds and conversation and stuff and you'd hear it for the first time yeah that's you'd nice you'd only hear it for the first time after it was all combined maybe it could be a thing of uh, people like send things in or it'd be quite, it could be yeah it'd be quite cool if it was a kind of thing where uh, people like send in a minute a recording or something, right? And then uh, they all just get interlaid. Like, say, there's three, you know, and it's just kind of in the order that you receive them, so it's sort of, like, semi-random. And uh, yeah, it just goes up. Yeah, exactly. I mean? I mean, it's almost... I think probably the what... Yeah, I think that sounds like it makes sense. I mean, my reference, in a way, is... I don't know, there was a project where people, they went around finding all bits of cassette tapes that were like wrapped around bushes and like lost to the four winds. And then they just basically clipped them all together. And it made this like mad bit of sound that they didn't, they had no idea what was going to be on it. And there would be like bits of like audio books and home recordings and all this sort of stuff. And it just made this sort of, yeah, like a mosaic of sound, I suppose. Wow. Yeah, that's cool. I hadn't thought about that. My the uh, that's yeah, that's an interesting uh, idea. I want to hear your thought now. 
Well, <clears throat> basically, my one was maybe a bit less. Uh, um, I don't know. My idea seems rubbish now. <laughs> <laughs> nah, not really. But I, I well, I think judgment <laughs> <of> ideas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, that's uh, okay. I'll just read out this document that I had. Drawing on podcast, podcast drawings. Describe to the listener a drawing. Can it be described in a way that means it's different for each person? Can it be described in a way that would only work on a podcast? Can it be described in a way that results in a drawing only possible in someone's mind? What does it mean to draw? And then I've wrote here, speak to Callum Wallace. (laughs) 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 And I wrote, uh, get other artists to make their own drawings so they could, uh, I, I always come back to like things being collaborative or like a kind of open thing where people can join in if they want. Like mm. making an, an archetype that someone can do a version of. Anyway, for instance, start with a horizontal line. It's the same color as your mother's eyes. <laughs> this is maybe a bit like uh, cheesy or something, but. Oh. <laughs> what? No, this is beautiful, and it's and it's reminding me of a of. of uh, an artist and it's my favorite approach to drawing imaginable um even just with what you've said but please continue because i've got another reference that i've got a book here that i was going to read some bits to you as a reference well, anyway go for it i'll tell you that later anyway here's the rest of it so start with the horizontal line it's the same color as your mother's eyes the line begins to slowly rise and fall in time with your breath When you look past the line, you realize that it extends towards the horizon indefinitely. And in fact, what you thought was the length is actually the width. Then then slowly, everything turns to white. So that that was an idea for it. That was like an example of a drawing that, that could be like on a podcast where it happens mm-hmm. in your mind, you know? Yeah, yeah. So and I, then it would only exist, and it would exist in the viewer's, yeah, in the viewer's mind. Yeah. But I, there's different elements there that I think could be developed and some that don't, don't work so well or something. Or, But um, I just imagine, like, one of them every day or something for next week. That's a great idea. Would it, would you be opposed to any, say, for example, somebody sitting along and, and making the drawing in time and actually turning it into a physical object, <laughs> or would that be sacrilege and it's got to be an auditory object? Nah, I mean, someone could do that if they wanted, I guess, but it's like, uh, it's up to them. Mm. What was your, what was your thing that it reminded you of? So it reminded me of, uh, in a way, it's what do you call it when something's accessible to everybody, and um, not open source, like um, like democratic or something. Something I don't know that 
um, I can't I can't remember I can't actually remember the words. But so there's an this. Uh, have you heard of the artist Sol Sol Lewitt? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So like his 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 artworks were essentially a set of instructions, and by following them precisely, you would you could create for yourself a Sol Lewitt original, and it was absolutely an original. So you could have an original artwork by this spectacular artist just by following their instructions. So he never made any of his own, or he rarely made his own drawings. He would just send the instructions to a gallery, and the gallery assistants and technicians would make the drawing. Um, I mean, they were generally very simple sets of instructions, but the idea was that it t- it like played with the authorship of a work. So like, whose, whose work is it? So I could sit down and do... So there's one, for example, lines in four directions. And it's a very simple set of instructions. It's like you start with a horizontal line and you cover the, you cover the page with horizontal lines, which are uh, a, a, a quarter of an inch apart. Then you do the same diagonally and vertically and then diagonally in the other direction. And then once you're finished, you have a solid original drawing. Um, and the idea that you could essentially have auditory drawings that were is like oh it's a finley hall original but he's never actually seen it and he doesn't know what it looks like (laughs) and i don't know it just it reminded me of that that like lovely approach which is just like this drawing is mine but also isn't mine in any way i've got uh yeah that's totally i hadn't thought about the uh the link there, but that's totally like I love solo thing. Sometimes I get worried. I'm like, a lot of this sort of contextual basis or like ideas. It's all like stuff from the sixties and seventies. Do you ever worry about that? Um, to some extent, but I think it's feasible. But like that was a time of revolution in in the way things thought, and it and I guess maybe it sort of laid a lot of the groundwork for how we can think now. But I think also to some extent, like imagination like many other things is very inhibited at the moment like or or something you know like yeah I'd, I'd, like yeah, like maybe thinking was freer then or actually but it's possible also that the the 60s and 70s was just when people got good at describing things and these are actually ideas that will have been around for ages yeah you know like yeah that's a good um, that's a nice idea um, but the the thing that I was thinking, like I sort of thought of that idea. Also, what's funny is like you think of an idea and then you go like, "Oh no, wait, that's already a thing," you know. <laughs> Which is also maybe what you just said, where it's the thing of like, uh, you know, if if conceptual art happened in like the seventeen hundreds, then it would be the same because it's like the same ideas are there, you know, like the ideas are just always there kind of thing. And then people can pick them up or put them down or, uh, yeah, I think so. But I also think, I think I I do truly believe in the individual approach of everybody, even executing exactly the same idea, unless you're pure, like copying a painting to the, to the millimeter or copying a photograph or something actually it doesn't really matter if you take the same idea and run with it um, and yeah. it 
you'll yield a different result. I mean, I think copyright is the most miserable thing ever. I think everyone should be allowed to do whatever anyone else did and just like and just trust that it will be different inherently because it's been done by a different person. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, well, anyway, so the thing that it made me think of was uh, Grapefruit by Yoko Ono. Do you know this book? No, I don't. Oh, you might have told me about it before, but tell me, tell me again, because it rings a bell, but I, I can't, I can't visualize it. Uh, I'll just maybe read the back of this book. I'll do a better description. You've got the book there in front of you. Yeah, I've got it. I'm in the library at uh, the art school just now, so I, I just went and got it. So sexy. Yeah, pretty sexy. So, uh, Grapefruit is Yoko Ono's book of instructions to everyone to make art. It was originally published in a limited edition in Tokyo in 1964 and in an enlarged version in New York and London in 1970. It is now a classic in the field of conceptual visionary art. Uh, And inside is basically what... So Yoko Ono was part of uh, Fluxus, which was a sort of movement of artists. Um, And Namjoon Pike was in it, and uh, so was the guy that Fergus likes, Joseph Boyce, that's the one. Oh, Joseph Boyce. (laughs) Yeah, it was was in the 60s and that, and it was like kind of like all the conceptual guys... Anyway, I've totally just embarrassed myself with my knowledge of uh, <laughs> art history uh, or lack of. You can there, just but... choose not to be embarrassed. There's enough bloody names in history. It's I, I I don't put any stock in remembering all of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, names are hard. Anyway, so anyway, in the Fluxus was like a, a group of conceptual artists that was um, they were they had these things called event scores. And and it was basically like instructions. So event scores. Yeah, so it was like a score, like for music, except it was it was like a, for an event. So like they were basically writing oh. music, but for not music. If you know what I mean. Oh wow! Okay. So so that's yeah. that, and they were called event scores. So there's there's lots, but this book, Grapefruit by Yoko Ono, more famously John Lennon's wife, but she was also like really quite groundbreaking artist in the 60s um, as well. There's there's lots of things. So there's, right, here's one. There's one of my favorites. It's called Tuna Fish Sandwich Piece. Imagine, and then that's the title. It says, imagine 1,000 suns in the sky at the same time. Let them shine for one hour. Then... Let them gradually melt into the sky. Make one tuna fish sandwich and eat. 1964 spring. So uh, that's one there. And But some of them are quite funny. Like uh, This one's like a painting. This one's quite weird. Blood piece. Use your blood to paint. Keep painting until you faint, A. Keep painting until you die, B. 1960 spring. Whoa. So there's and like... It's got, so 1960 spring, so it's got each of them as the, 
the associated date that she came up with it then. Yeah. Whoa. But some of them are like quite abstract and some of them are uh, like, I don't know, they're all pretty funny. So here's mask piece one and mask piece two. Make a mask larger than your face. Polish the mask every day. In the morning, wash the mask instead of your face. <laughs> when somebody wants to kiss you, let the person kiss the mask instead. 1961 winter. And oh my goodness. <laughs> mask. <laughs> that one's really funny for some reason. Mask piece two. Make a mask smaller than your face. Let it drink wine instead of you. 1962 summer. So, These anyway, are dreamy. I mean, it almost feels like pushing the boundary of like what order you can put words in, and like, just like, yeah, I don't know, like watch absolutely beautiful things. They're almost like poems. Yeah, they're yeah, they're great. Um, so that's grapefruit by Yoko Ono, but. Yeah, I wondered if like is this, uh, how, how big is this book then? Is it just absolutely full of these? Yeah, it's not. It's not too big. I mean, there's but like, yeah, there's like probably like a few hundred. Wow. Um, and there's no, and I guess there's there's also no implication that she's that she, she that she's done any of these things. I mean, obviously she hasn't. Um, yeah, painted with her blood until she died. It's, some, it's almost just like a, do it if you feel if the spirit moves you kind of thing. Yeah, but I mean, some of them I don't think they're really meant to be done. They're just meant to be imagined. Mm-hmm. Like some of them are oh, yeah, more. <laughs> so, like some here's one <laughs> plane piece. Hire a plane. Invite everybody. Ask them to write a will to you before boarding. 1964 spring. Ask them to what to you before boarding? Ask them to write a will to you before boarding. (laughs) (laughs) And then... What an amazing... What an amazing like body of work and then so that, that there's another one that's below prescription piece prescribe pills for going through the wall and have only the hair come back 1964 spring <laughs> so yeah that's I mean in a way in a way these feel like an invitation to make your own well, that's, sort of interpretation of these. That's what I think, in a way. And it's like almost like that Saul Lowit thing where, I don't know, sometimes I was saying to Matt before, when I was over Christmas, I was saying, when I see like a really good film, it makes me want to like make a film. Mm-hmm. Or if you like hear a really good piece of music, it kind of makes you want to like write your own music. You know, like when you get inspired or something. I don't know. Do you have that as well? Yeah. Um, yeah, I totally, I, I totally do have that, and I think it's, um, yeah, because it's quite an odd one in a way. Because 
I mean, I think that's exactly what anyone who made any piece of artwork would hope that it inspired was to inspire other people to go and make artwork. Um, which is an interesting. I think it sort of creates an argument that at like that almost like that everybody should be artists or could be artists because it's almost like a sort of feedback loop. Um, yeah. You know, I almost get the sort of selfish thing when I see an artwork that I really like. It's not necessarily that I want to stand and marvel at that artwork. I'm like, right, I got to get back to doing my thing. That's really good, actually. I need to go. I need to go and carry on making art, actually. I almost sometimes can get impatient looking at artworks that I'm like, shit, actually, I really need to get back and make something now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like look what's possible if you kind of like do it a lot. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I totally get what you mean. I get that. Also, um, I when I was at art school, I quite like the idea of like an artwork is actually like an invitation, like 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 making a sculpture with the mindset of like it's actually an invitation for you to for whoever's looking at it to do the same like it kind of you're almost like asking a question by making something like if you make a sculpture you know and you put it somewhere and then you're like that huh what do you think of that you know <laughs> and then <laughs> it's it's almost like look this is something that an artwork could be right and then you either make it as well like if you make an artwork and show it you're essentially inviting someone else to do the same thing or maybe do something different Mm -hmm. i don't know that was like a thought that i had when i was at art school which i never quite fully formulated but i kind of then i had an idea of like trying to copy because that's how they used to teach like painting and stuff was you just copy you know, you do studies of these like masters, old masters, and mm-hmm. you'd, you'd you'd make drawings of other drawings, like you'd copy, so that you could understand like how they drew it, you know, yeah, or how yeah. they painted it. You should be able to like paint the same thing, and then that would kind it seems of... absolutely bananas when you think about it. But at the same time, I mean, I can understand why, because I, I guess, because often the things that you might be copying, it's almost like, you know, like, why why this painting and not another painting? Why does this painting loom so large in sort of historical imagination? You know, like, what's, um, I don't know. Yeah, and the, actually by copying, you can sort of maybe figure out some of the reason of, like, why why you like it so much in a way. Um yeah. But it also sometimes seems sad all the creative energy that's spent on creating essentially the same thing, but it's not even the same thing. It's the same thing that no one will actually care about because that thing already exists. <laughs> but maybe, yeah. it's, but maybe it's not. But I guess also a lot of it is it's not really for everyone else. I mean, I think, I think there would be relatively few artists who make work specifically for other people. I think it's almost like you make it. I think a lot of people just make things for themselves to satisfy their own curiosity, um, and kind of depend on other people finding it interesting enough to, you know, to to examine or something. Yeah, well, that's like the sort of thing that I often 
Mm, maybe more with music because it's a bit more like tangible. Is like make the thing that you want to exist. You know, like you want to make the thing that. <laughs> I remember listening to an interview with Josh Homme from Queens of the Stone Age, and he was saying like he met a band uh, who was I can't remember who it was. He was speaking to another musician like, "Oh, what song of yours is your favorite?" And he was the guy was like that. Ah, I don't fucking listen to my own music. Like, why would I do that? You know. But then Josh Homme was like, "But you're make you should make the music that you want to hear." Like, so he was saying that he would like blast his own music in the car because it was like the kind of music that he wanted to hear. So, um, <laughs> yeah, like he was like be like, and I've kind of done the same when I've made music. Is like. You just make what you want to hear in that moment, in a way. Mm-hmm. Like you make your favorite kind of music, or like you tr- at least try. You know, um, yeah, it doesn't always work, but you're at least kind of trying to. In my head, I'm like making something that if I heard it when I was 16, I'd be like, "Yeah," <laughs> you know, or like <laughs> I'm kind of always like making, like this podcast, for instance, is maybe something that I would have wished I could like listen to like 10 years ago when I was like 17 or something I'd be like that yeah you know like yeah I mean that's I think that's such a nice approach for these things of like that yeah of um yeah it's quite interesting I'm just I'm just thinking to myself if that's if that's what I do in my practice and I don't because it also seems like it would be quite almost quite a painful thing to do in a way because actually by by making something that you really want to hear and then if you then if it's not well, then it, then it almost can't be what it, ha- what it needs to be to an extent that you're like, if you make it and it's not up to scratch and you're like, oh no, that's not exactly what I want to hear. I could imagine it being unbearable. Like, um, uh, yeah, but I mean, that's like, um, that's maybe like getting, it's not like a binary, like it's, you know, mm-hmm. Like there's like a thing, there's like one version of a song or something that you is the one you want to hear. You know, yeah. there's many possibilities of the kind of thing that you might like, or you know, you don't just like one song at any one time. Maybe you're more into yeah, like that's true. Actually, you have to thrash. be open to the chance that you might. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, carry on. Maybe you're more into like thrash punk at one point than you are into like like dub reggae or something but you can still like both of them at the same time even though they're like quite different mm-hmm. yeah yeah and you can yeah you can still get a lot out of both of those just yeah despite their differences okay yeah i hear what you're saying but you surely I mean, what, like what when if you make a drawing of or like a print or something you know where you're are you basically thinking like this will make a good print or is the kind of thing that you want to exist? Like you want to see it, a print that looks like that Um, or a print of that thing or something, you know? Well, that's an odd, yeah. Well, I guess in many cases it's, I guess in many cases I don't want to see a print that looks like that. So what I really want to do is do the thing, which is I think why in, in many cases I overdraw my drawings is that what I really want to do is ex- is examine every part of what I'm looking at, of what I can see with my eyes. I want to go over every millimeter of that detail and kind of understand how it all 
interacts with one another. Um, and then, and then once I've done that, I kind of want to see how that's finished. But if I see other work that I think looks similar to mine, I find it very painful. So I, I wouldn't go out looking. I wouldn't search out exhibitions of work that looked similar to mine. Um, in any way, I, th I think that's almost the last kind of show. I mean, the shows I'm finding myself really enjoying are like the the recent shows that've been on at the Cooper Gallery. These like these sort of things that are completely unlike anything I would make. These sort of quite wild sort of freeform films, and um, I guess things that I wish that I had the imagination to make. Sometimes I almost feel shackled by the by the things that I like to do, and I kind of wish that I had the patience to try something else and to be bad at something else for a while. Because um, I think also part of why I do the work I do is because I know, I know I can finish it and I know I can make it look the way I want to, and it's almost like there's less risk of failure. Um, and I wish I could sort of embrace failure as part of the work and try things that are different, um, where I where I don't know what the result will be. Because actually, normally when I start a work, I know exactly how it's going to look when I finish it, and and it often ends up looking exactly the way I expect it to. Um, feels like there's maybe a bit of a disconnect there. Yeah, but I I don't um, know though. I mean, I think that <laughs> you know, like roughly what it's going to look like, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I but the thing is, I lose interest almost as soon as it's finished. Um, <laughs> well, you, know. well you just want, you're just more interested in the process, I guess, right? Yeah, I think so. And I think also in what the process allows me to do, because actually in making the drawing, I will spend so much time thinking and listening to stories and books and sort of my mind going on these things that actually the drawing is almost, it's, it's almost something to hold my attention away from the sort of inner turmoil of my brain um, for a long period of time and to keep me focused on something, um, on something sort of outside of myself, I think. Um, which is, it's, it almost seems weird that artwork comes under, you know, that the idea of being an artist comes under the same bracket. Because, like, I'm an artist and, like, Yoko Ono is an artist. And we what we do bears absolutely no similarity whatsoever to itself. <laughs> it's not like being two different, like, types of engineer or something. Or, I mean, maybe that's a shit example, but, yeah. you know. <laughs> nah, you know what I mean. It's, uh, yeah, like, how is the... Well, I was at an exhibition. There was an, a wee opening in the art school just there, and it was like mm -hmm. it was really cool. Like, but this uh, girl had made some, basically these sort of kinetic sculptures that were like on fire, and Whoa. I was like, yeah, like uh, well, one of them was like this big. Uh, it was like use the mechanism for a disco ball. Uh, you know, okay. just like turns really slowly. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. she had this big like rod that went all like in a kind of arch, like from the floor, like up to the ceiling and then on the other side. And on each end of the rod was a candle that was burning. And then the whole thing was like rotating because it was like quite long. The candles were end up going quite fast. 
you know, like it turns slowly in the middle, like the further you get out to keep up, it's like going quite fast. Yeah, yeah, so it's going. It was yeah, almost yeah, like yeah. this big, like flaming propeller, which was really cool. Uh, wow. But I was thinking, I was the like, candles ah. didn't go out with the motion. Uh, one of them went out like a couple times, uh, but mm-hmm. most of it stayed lit pretty much. She just like relit it. She was there, but. Um, and then there was a couple of other sculptures that were like on fire or sort of had a similar thinking process behind them. Uh, but yeah, the I was like, oh man, I wish I could do that. Like, that's a cool kind of thing to do, you know? <laughs> but it's like, yeah. you can't, you know, but like, you can't do it all. And that's not what I do, unfortunately. It's like, Maybe I could no. do that, but then... And now that you've seen that, you, you can't do that. You'd have to do something else. <laughs> well, is that not just what we were talking about, though? You could just... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like... Because it's, it's almost, I wish I could do that, or I wish I'd done that. Um, you know, like... You know, like, well, you didn't do it, and now it's there, so you, you can't do it. Or, or or you could only do it again, which would be strange. And that's also <laughs> a thing, is sometimes where I'm thinking, like, actually oh i'd love to do that but then actually the reality of doing the process of that is like i would actually not like that i think like kind of like fiddling with it till it's just right and like kind of like i would just get frustrated i think and like maybe once i'd made it i would not be satisfied or do you know what i mean like actually when you think about the reality of it if i'd made that Knowing like what I am, what I'm like is like I'd maybe mm-hmm. kind of like that's the reason. There's a reason that I didn't like just get really stuck into sculpture at art school. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because it's so another. Like, well, because I guess just like what you were saying about copying work. It's actually, if you were to make that, you would learn in making it. You would learn simultaneously the things that you're not so good at, and you would also learn all the things that she is really good at and has managed to figure out. <laughs> yeah. Like you'd probably through the if you made that, it'd probably be a pain in the arse, and it might not turn out the same. But you'd probably, in some roundabout way, know her a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Or something. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yeah, you'd have a different appreciation for it, at least. It's like if I was to try and, like, draw a rock like you, I'd probably get, like, (laughs) ten minutes in, I'd be like, ah, there's no way. Can it be arsed? Well, can it be arsed? So where does this leave you with the the auditory drawing, then? Well, I just, I just, I guess I wanted to speak to you because you did the drawing masters, and you're a drawer and I thought that sort of qualified you as someone that knows I mean even if you I didn't mean, do the master, was... even if you didn't do the masters you'd still be qualified that's probably not the main point but the you're uh, obviously doing like, the master demonstrated an interest in it though <laughs> <laughs> that just really showed how serious you are about drawing yeah yeah <laughs> Which is precisely what it was meant to do. Yeah. Um, uh, that just told the, me and the rest of the world that you're not messing around here. Yeah. 
Um, now that you've mastered drawing. Well, uh, Jesus. They, actually, what the what a nice thing about what your your auditory drawing would do, because I think it's something that I mean the definition can just get like expanded and expanded. In that, was it in the? I think it's in ways of seeing. Uh, John Berger sort of or Berger like um, he he like talks about that like you could you could sort of uh, chalk any almost any human activity up as a sort of act of making a drawing like laying uh, like telephone wires being a linesman is sort of a form of drawing um, uh huh yeah I remember speaking to someone she said she really liked printmaking and I was like, oh, I don't do printmaking and she was like, yes, you do and then I was like, ah, oh, here we go, you know <laughs> but she was saying that you're <laughs> nah, but it's the kind of thing, you you know, if you think hard about anything, it's true but she she made quite a good point, which was like you know, footprints or like fingerprints things like that is printmaking yeah, yeah she was obviously God. thinking about it a lot. So then, more, if everybody then. thought about it like that way, it would probably be really nice, but really difficult for printmakers to make their voices heard. They're like, all right, so I'm a professional printmaker. It's like, oh well, I'm a printmaker. I walked on the beach yesterday. Like, oh fuck's sake! All right, yeah, 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 but I'm I'm actually a printmaker. <laughs> yeah, and it's also the kind of thing that I've basically been thinking about recently as well, where. The, like the first few episodes of this podcast that I'm making is like about the medium or like about my practice. And I was thinking a lot about how to operate my practice. But then if you think about that too much, then you end up not actually doing like make, making the content. You just have like the, you know what I mean? It's like if you're a printmaker and you're just talking about, well, what is a print without actually making any prints, mm -hmm. then is sort of like unproductive or pointless in a way. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, that reminds me of what I was saying to you about in, uh, what's it in that, what's the book you said you were reading the, um, uh, on the road, those like conversations he has with his friends um, where they'll like stay up all night talking and talking and talking into each other's faces and they're no, like, you were telling they're me like about start... that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was telling you about it. And they'll like start, they'll like start with a topic of some description, but very quickly they'll they'll end up sort of dissecting the nature of their own conversation. So they're like, ah, yeah, see the way that you said that to me just there. That that means this, and just like they'll just like talk around in circles until the sun rises, and they didn't get any sleep. And they're like, right, not quite sure where we are now. This is. This conversation didn't really get anywhere. It involved a lot of inward looking, and now I'm just really tired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but at the time, it's absolutely worthwhile. It can go too far. But that's why... What's the name of that guy? I love the sound of those conversations. I, I, those are maybe my happiest times being in the com a conversation a bit like that. Yeah, me too, I think. Uh, at a dinner party or something... But I don't know. I think what, like, when I say dinner party, I think that means like a different thing than what a dinner party actually is. But basically, yeah, like, I think being, a dinner party being like loads of bottles of wine and smoking <laughs> loads of fags for ages. 
<laughs> at, the dinner t- at the dinner table and then kind of being like, oh, what else? What else? And then you're like, oh, fuck, it's like three in the morning. And then you're like, oh, I better go. Yeah. <laughs> but you're kind of like sad. Like everyone's like sad that it's ended. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If that's what a dinner party is, then yeah, dinner party. So, uh, yeah, that's why I wanted to come up with some con like actual content basically instead of wondering about the form or the medium. Well, I mean, form. the nice thing is this is, this is both it is, it is content and, and, um, dissection of content, I suppose it can be both things at once. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely going to listen to your podcast. Now you mentioned auditory drawings. I am. You're on it, mate. I'm, I'm on it. I'm not going to say what I'd normally say, but I, I am. I, what were you going to say? Interested. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you like the auditory drawings. Yeah, yeah, I really, I really, I really like this idea. And I think. Because I think also the idea of taking someone's imagination for a walk is absolutely beautiful. And I think because we're very addicted to the form of like a, you know, like a story form, you know, when you're like watching a film and you kind of know where it's going. Um, and you're like, oh, yeah, 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 I can, I can, I can see, can see how this film's going to end up. Even if you're wrong, you're kind of always casting your mind ahead. You're like, I think I know how this whole story is going to resolve itself because I've read or listened to or watched so many stories before. But the idea of your auditory drawings, even the one that you kind of made up there of the line that's the color of your mother's eyes, it really, even just listening to you describing it there, really kept me on my toes because it's like, it's a, because it's a, such an un, unknown form, it's like, I felt like, I, I think I could really listen to one of, to, to that and like, oh, I wonder what's going to go happen next. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like yeah, it's like a bit, it's like gripping in a way. You're like, oh, what, what now? What now? You know, yeah. And I guess that's the thing is um, the thing about like, yeah. I just wanted to. Oh, hang on, sorry. Hiya. Thank you so much. No worries. Yeah. That got my charger back there. Well, that laptop charged really fast by the sounds of it. Oh, I think she's just leaving, so... Well, anyway, uh, yeah, the thing about podcasts is, like, you say a podcast to someone and they basically think, like, the Joe Rogan experience. Or... <laughs> yeah, if they're a fucking idiot. Well, it's either, like, that, or it's, like, Radiolab, <laughs> where it's a sort of, like, documentary or like this American life or something, you know, where it's like a story. Mm-hmm. But, but I basically want, like, like basically what this episode will be like a bit more. Like, <laughs> that's what people think. So I just want it to be like uh, something else. I'm just saying, like, imagine something if, imagine if like, um, well, Yoko Ono still alive, but like, if she, <laughs> in the 60s, if imagine they had... If Yoko ono was still- no, okay. she is still alive. But in the sixties, <laughs> if like all these uh, fluxus artists or something had podcasting as a medium, like there, you know, like 
instead of a book. Yeah. You know, they'd use it in it. They'd, they'd be like all over it. Um, but I think it's almost like it's got like a it's got like a vibe or like an idea in someone's well, yeah. head. So I want to try and fuck around with it, basically. Well, because it's also got that the the weird thing that I'm sure many people have written about and talked about of the of the idea of a podcast is that like you listen to a podcast every week and then you kind of like well for one it's this it kind of creates this really weird unbalanced relationship where I'm like oh well the person doing the podcast is my friend I know them I know the way their voice sounds I know the way that they think I know how they carry out a conversation and if you ever met them it would be so weird. So you'd be like, you know, you're pure like, you know, for a, like a really famous podcaster, you know, I don't say Blind Boy, for example, I'd meet Blind Boy and I know so much about his life and his cat. I mean, if it's even real what he says in the podcast, but like about all his cats and all this and, and he doesn't know diddly squat about me. And it's this really weird thing that you kind of get to like, you let everybody look at your underwear, but you don't actually know who's looking. Hmm. Pa- parasocial relationship they call that that's the that's the new buzzword that's, i was hoping you'd know the word for that it's the new buzzword i think i've heard i think i heard one of our friends say it in the summer and then i was like oh what does that mean and then i you, i went away and looked it up and then i saw someone else i knew like writing their dissertation about parasocial relationships and then i heard someone and then now it seems like a thing that people, it's like in the lexicon. You could make a really scary podcast called Parasocial Activity. <laughs> Someone listening to a podcast and then they get killed by a ghost. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. What's that from? Someone's like, how did he die that like, got killed by a ghost? I don't know. It's uh, it is a fear of mine. It is a fear. <laughs> it's a really lovely thought. Hey, uh... oh, thanks very much to Callum for joining me on this episode. And uh, thanks for to you for listening. Uh, I I was kind of recording that in a bit of a strange room, so and it's the first time I've recorded like that. So if it doesn't sound great, apologies. But if it sounds if it does sound great, then uh, you're welcome. <laughs> so <laughs> Jesus. Anyway, I actually felt so much better after having spoken to Callum. So. Thanks personally if he's listening to this. Uh, you can follow him on Instagram at Cal Walls. I'll put a link down below for that. Um, I'm just walking home after the bus. I'm gonna go and edit this episode, have been my dinner, and then go to bed tomorrow. I'm going cross country skiing, which should be fun. 
uh, and I'll try and do a best of episode at the weekend and maybe Sunday maybe tomorrow maybe Sunday and just thanks for listening basically thanks for sticking with it if you did and if you didn't then you won't be listening to this so uh, f*** you <laughs> no, I'm just kidding uh, yeah next week drawings podcast drawings whatever that'll be like so um, yeah looking forward to that okay well I hope you all have a nice weekend peace and love speak to you next week bye Finley Hall podcast is written, presented, uh, conceived, not very nice word, created, let's just say created by Finley Hall, as you might have imagined. Uh, Big thanks to uh, Acast for uh, hosting, even though they don't know I exist and I don't have any adverts yet. Uh, If you want to support the podcast, leave me a review, five stars, tell your friends, Follow me at Loonbeams on Instagram and on Twitter, but I got locked out of that, so that'll come soon. But all right, thanks for listening again. Bye.